Welcome back to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920. The answer really, Atlanta's home to some of the best talk radio you will find. In this segment of the show, when will the bubble burst? When will the real estate bubble burst or are we even having a bubble? I'm going to give you my opinion. We've also got some expert opinion from economist, nationwide economist. Is using an estate sale company to liquidate your personal property a good idea? or a bad idea, and what happens when the appraisal comes in short of purchase price? What are the buyer's options normally, and what are the buyer's options in today's market? This segment of the show is brought to you by O'Kelly and Sorahan. They are a full-service law firm with 21 offices throughout Metro Atlanta. They specialize in residential real estate closings, including home purchases, refinance closings, corporate relocation, and real estate contract review and title insurance matters. Again, this is O'Kelly and Sorahan. They can be reached by calling 770-497-1880. 770-497-1880. Don't forget to go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com. You can ask questions. You can make com- comments. You can challenge anything I've said. You can share ideas. You can ask for your neighborhood to be featured in our neighborhood spotlight and you can subscribe to our podcast. We are available on all major podcasting platforms, and we would love for you to be a subscriber. We've got a listener question from Amy in Gainesville. She says, when will the market bubble burst? And I'll bet you that Amy is not the only person in Metro Atlanta or anywhere or all throughout the United States who is thinking, when is this crazy real estate market bubble going to burst? Well, what if I told you that it's probably not a bubble, certainly not a bubble at this point? And you're probably thinking, what on earth does Cleve mean? Prices are up 20. He just said earlier in the show that prices are up 26% April of 2021 versus April of 2020. How could that not be a bubble? Well, the reason that I think it's not a bubble, and we're going to talk more, I believe, in the third segment about inventory and the number of new homes that were built over the last several decades. But the reason I don't believe it's a bubble is because it's almost impossible to have a bubble where the market can potentially burst, where it can have a fairly hard landing if the amount of supply is nowhere near as much as the amount of demand. So most of you every single week hear me talk about the months of inventory And I want to go in and give a little bit of an explanation of how that works. If you are looking to sell a home or buy a home and you're using a professional real estate agent and they have not given you the months of supply, please, please, please ask them for this information. You can break it down based on your subdivision, based on your zip code, your school district, your city. However someone, a potential buyer might search for your home, that's the way you want to Analyze the months of supply of inventory in your area. And here's a few things I'd like you to remember, and you might even want to write these down, not if you're riding in your car. But if a real estate market has four to five months worth of inventory, that is considered a balanced market. That means the homes available for sale, if no new homes came on the market, all of those homes would sell in four or five months. Now, I'm not saying everybody would really feel like that was totally balanced. Because in today's world, if it took longer than three or four weeks for a seller to sell a home, they might not think the market is very balanced at all. If the market has less 
than four months' worth of inventory, three, two, and one month's worth of inventory, that means it is a seller's market. The closer the number gets to zero, the more screaming the seller's market is. And so I want you to think about this for just a second. If you're listing your home in an area where you have four months' worth of inventory, or you're listing your home in an area where you have two weeks' worth of inventory, which means based on sales patterns of the past, all of the homes listed in this area will sell and close, not close, but sell within a two-week period. Do you think you have better likelihood of getting a better value as a buyer or a higher price as a seller when the inventory is low or the inventory is high? And the reality is when inventory is low, sellers do better and buyers do worse. When inventory is high, buyers do better and sellers do worse. So right now you're saying, okay, well, what does all this mean? Well, the reality is there's about two weeks to two weeks to four weeks worth of inventory in most market areas throughout Metro Atlanta, which means there's less than one month's worth of inventory in most every single market area. No matter how you slice it, by price range or area or city or school district, there's less than one month's worth of inventory. So when inventory is so low, and this question was from Amy in Gainesville. The reality is it's very, very difficult, almost impossible for a bubble to burst and prices to decrease. Now, does it mean that inventory is going to stay this low forever? Absolutely not. The reality is inventory is going to rise at some point. The market will get in balance. The reason I say that is because free markets generally wind up getting in balance. There's certainly a, a, a school of thought that says the real estate market in the U.S. is not very free because the government spends a lot of money and resources to make sure that the housing market continues to chug along, and that is actually true. Um, but the reality is that the market is absolutely positively low from an inventory standpoint. There's lots of buyers out there looking. So, Amy, I don't believe that we are going to see a market bubble anytime soon. I would watch the months of inventory as we talk about it on this show. As you hear that number start to creep up, then, Amy, and only then would I worry about there being a price bubble and the bubble bursting. You're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920. I'm Cleve Gaddis. I am your host. My family has been in real estate for the last 34 years. We live, eat, breathe, and sleep real estate. We've got another listener question, and this is from Beverly and Cumming. It says, we used an estate sale company to liquidate our mother's home, but it seems like the sale was a total failure. Oh, man, I hate that. Any suggestions on what to do now? I will tell you, and I don't even know if I have a really good recommendation for an estate sale company. If you're out there listening and you happen to be in the estate sale business and you would like to get on our vendor list or maybe have me feature you in a segment on the radio show, reach out to me. Go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com, because I'd love to connect with you. So we've had experiences that range anywhere from absolutely terrible to amazing. And I will tell you, five or six or ten years ago, the experiences with estate sale companies were more amazing. We had several companies we recommended. Neither one of them are in business anymore today. And they just gave top-notch service. I don't know if the fees for doing the sales were 50 or 60 or 70% or 40% or what they were, but my seller clients tended to think that they were very reasonable. And I think the sellers believe they get more money because the estate sale company understands the true value of something that will be sold. And let's, let's say they don't totally understand the true value, but they understand it better 
than we would not having any understanding of that particular area now. Recently, in fact, we just had a client up on Lake Lanier who did an estate sale. I won't mention the name of the estate sale company, but the experience was not good for our sellers. Now, I always understand that sometimes that can be a consumer-oriented problem, meaning sometimes the seller could be a problem difficult to deal with, kind of be in a butt, you never know. But in this case, the estate sale company made huge claims as to what they would and would not do, and then they fell short significantly. In this particular case, the owners of the home are going to need to deal with the stuff themselves, which means they're either going to need to find a place to donate it, they're going to need to find somebody to sell the whole lot and house to, not lot, but whole the whole contents of the house, the lot contents of the house for some fixed price and let them all haul it off. Or, as much as I hate to say this, and this is certainly not eco-friendly and I might get a lot of pushback on this, but they might just have to hire a company like 1-800-GOT-JUNK and let them haul it all off. So, sometimes estate sales can be good. Sometimes they are not so good. My suggestion is you interview at least three estate sale companies before you choose the right one and make sure that everything is in writing. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920. The answer, my name is Cleve Gaddis. I'm your host, and I'm really glad you're here. We've got another listener question. It is from David in Duluth. It says, I'm worried about the home we are purchasing, not appraising for the purchase price. What happens if the appraisal falls short? Well, David, I have not reviewed your purchase agreement, um, but in most cases in today's market, sellers are not allowing appraisal contingencies to be in the final purchase agreement for a home. And if that's the case, if the home failed to appraise for the purchase price, then you as the seller would, uh, you as the buyer would be responsible for making up the difference in cash. So whatever the shortfall was, if the property, if you paid three seventy five and it appraised for three fifty, then you would be responsible. Let's say if you were making a ten percent down payment, you would be responsible for bringing ten percent of the three fifty, plus a hundred percent of the difference between the three fifty and the three seventy five. So you would pay $35,000 plus another $25,000. And I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. In some cases, buyers in today's world, they know they're exposing themselves. They're, they're, they're creating risk for themselves, but they're okay with that. And so it makes good sense. In a normal market, if the home fails to appraise, you have the right to ask the seller to reduce the purchase price to match the appraised value. And if the seller refuses to do that, then you don't have to move forward with the purchase. We're going to take a quick break. What is causing the housing shortage? What is causing it? Let's get an update on loan forbearance programs and then how to make sure what you're selling is what's in the contract after you have subdivided a lot. We've got these subjects and more. Stick with us because we'll be back. <laughs> 